0: I sound like a broken record. I've been doing this for 18 years. I have never seen a market like this in my life. Home values have generally been skyrocketing the last couple of years. And with interest rates being some low, I, I've actually seen refinances where people are able to cash out that newly found equity in their homes, do home improvements, whatever it may be, and still save money per month compared to what their prior mortgage payment was. I like to see it
1: as my job is to present you with a few different options. I step back, I let you decide, and I'll let
0: you call me when you want to move forward.
2: We are United United Faith Mortgage.
0: Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp., 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330, Equal Housing Lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Hey, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and I'm Ed Stetzer. I'm the executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. And for every Saturday, I get the privilege of being your host here at Ed Stetzer Live. And we are live, and we're gonna have a fascinating and I think helpful conversation today. And because part of the reality is, is that um, it's it's September, and in, in September, in the United States, we, we think of what's called um, Labor Day, right? We celebrate work and workers and more. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, Labor Day, because of some strange flight diversions in my life, the Labor Day program we were going to have didn't get to have. And so I've had the privilege of bringing back on, well, on for the first time, guests that were supposed to be here Labor Day. If my flight wasn't diverted from, supposed to land in Chicago, landed in Indianapolis, you don't want to hear my life story. But travel right now is not your friend. So we're going to be talking about um, why does work matter. We're going to talk about you know sometimes it feels like you know so I'm a pastor type. So sometimes it feels like um, like there's kind of like this elevated role that the pastor is of a different genre, a different uh, different caliber, even like a different like on a, on a ranking, like like the pastor is the second, you know, the the people, and then there's the pastor, and then above the pastors, there's the missionary, right? So, and is that the case? Is work something that gives glory to God? Um, Is work something that is a result of the fall? You know, do we have to work because um, our forefathers, foremothers sinned? Do we, um, you know, what, what, how should we think about Work, And that's what we're going to talk about today. I have two guests today uh, and uh, and both leading out in this field. And I'm going to invite you to engage in conversation with well me and them as well. So let me tell you about our guests. First is Michaela O'Donnell. She's the Executive Director of Fuller Seminary's Dupree Center for Leadership. She is an entrepreneur, a teacher and a speaker and a consultant who regularly presents on the topics of vocation, career and uh, and leadership to religious, secular, and academic uh, audiences. Also with us today, though they they haven't met one another, though they have a connection through Fuller Seminary, is Julie Chung. Now, I I met Julie when I was speaking out at Saddleback, knew some about what she was doing with Saddleback work, uh, but she spent the early 90s as an elementary school teacher before she felt the call to ministry. Before joining Saddleback, she became a certified coach and has served two other local churches in children's family Marriage, and for our discussion today, workplace ministries. So let me say, welcome to both of our guests. Thanks for joining us.
3: Hi, right, for having me. So hey, so <laughs>
0: well, excited to have I'm you so guys well. as well. So let's. <laughs> That's Michaela. You guys, you guys like have the Fuller connection as well. By the way, it's been like Fuller month. I had Kara Powell on recently. <laughs> so it's been, uh, it's been Fuller month. And for those of you who don't know, Fuller Seminary mm-hmm. is a seminary uh, out in California and sister seminary to, uh, to seminaries that, that I attended. Uh, actually, Fun fact, I uh, I was very much influenced by the Fuller School of World Mission many, many years ago. Hmm. All right, but that being said, I want to get into the conversation here with both of you. I'm going to start with Michaela. Michaela has a new book out as well, and we're going to be sharing some. It's it's Make Work Matter. That's the name of her book, Make Work Matter. Now, Michaela, just starting with you, and um, I mean, here, we when we think about why make work matter, I mean, even that... Even that phrase, the subtitle of the book is your guide to meaningful work in a changing world. This is actually like out, like 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 in weeks. It's not, you can pre-order it now. But it, it's strange in some ways, but makes a lot of sense in others. Why do we need to even talk about whether work matters and how to make it matter? Talk us a little bit about the Christian world and how we think about work.
1: Yeah, well, thanks, Ed. First of all, any month, it's a fuller month. It's a good month, and I'm with you on those travel (laughs) delays. Every single thing this summer has gone ways I didn't expect, so it's good to be able to connect with you and Julie here today. Yeah, this is – well, first of all, I think we're in an interesting moment with work. I mean, whether you look at Gallup statistics or Pew Research, somewhere between 40 and 65% of people are considering work transitions. Um, and anytime we're considering a work transition, and a lot of that obviously, uh, maybe not obviously, kind of brought on by COVID times and the pandemic and all of the monumental shifts that we're feeling in our world and in the ways that we work. So anytime you're in a season where you're trying to figure out in your own life, okay, my world might be changing, my world of work might be changing – in light of the big world of work changing, that's a time for
4: meaning making.
1: Um, that is a time for meaning making, and you know, you referenced it, Ed. There is historically a bit of a, um, a bit of a divide between the kind of work we think is spiritual or Christian, or even um, we sort of lump in this this theology of calling with it. And I I think that 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 divide is is, um, problematic. Um, And I think we feel that what we do matters deep in our bones. Um, The last thing I'll say there is, you know, you're talking about what is work and is it a result of the sin? And I love that our very first story that we find in the Bible is a story of God as maker. And God as worker and that that happens before any of the tough stuff happens. Um, so, so yeah, it's a ripe time to be talking about um, meaning and in the context of our work.
0: Yeah, and I wish, I wish, uh, I wish I didn't have that flight diversion so we could have this conversation earlier. But ironically, you guys were getting up super early for that one, so this is a little more reasonable hour. Uh, both of you are in Southern California, and uh, listeners on K Wave throughout Southern California have listened to Ed Stetzer live as well, so they know it's it's only nine o'clock there. So, what one one more question to you, and then then I want to go to Julie, because um, again, the the hierarchical idea of like being closer to God by by you know, and I think I think I, I often joke that I think every godly businesswoman or businessman has a time when they say, "Should I go into full time vocational ministry?" Mm-hmm. It just seems that there is mm-hmm. like this, and yet the Lord calls the vast majority of us, the vast majority of our listeners, not to do that. And sometimes it feels like a letdown or a disappointment. How do we make work matter to? quote the title of your book. How do we make it matter that people see their vocation as for their good, the good of others, and the glory of God?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that there are certain responsibilities for pastors in this conversation, right? How we talk about work and frame it and frame um, just the contribution to the common good that comes through the hearts, minds, and hands of people who are sitting in the pews or listening um, today and i also think that some of this kind of goes all the way back to the protestant reformation i won't i won't go into too much depth but you know this is this is the very thing that martin luther luther and his contemporaries were sort of arguing against was okay wait a minute it it doesn't have to be that you know people have to have this sort of set apart extra spiritual happening in the context of the church calling for your work to be spiritually significant the baker, the you know, is in a very agrarian economy. The baker, the um, blacksmith, the person sort of down the block caring for kids—all of that work can be spiritual. Now, that was an incredibly liberating idea in the Reformation. We're talking 1500s in Europe, and it, one of the things that's come along with that, and it kind of evolved out of that, that I think it, is a little less helpful today is a direct correlation between one's calling and one's job. Um, Calling is deeper than that, right? Calling is most centrally the call to belong to Jesus, the call to participate in redemption, the call to work creatively in service of our neighbors. And then, you know, we do have have callings to a bunch of particulars, places, people, relationships, and yes, sometimes jobs. And it's really though, all of those more central things that start to build on each other and nested that are nested in, and that we have to grab a hold of because then we start to see, oh yeah, no matter where I am, and maybe especially wherever I am, I can I can demonstrate that I belong to Jesus. I can look for ways to participate in redemption. I can act <laughs> in loving service of the person next to me. Um, so I think it, in some ways we're going all the way back to the Reformation and why that kind of distinction. Uh, is still at play, but I think that um, just just taking into that belonging, um, that mission towards redemption, and the fact that we are no matter where we are cre- called to creatively love and
2: serve our neighbors is the heart of this.
0: Love that. Okay, good. So helpful. So, so, Julie, we met as I mentioned at Saddleback. You're now the Connections Minister there. You've served and still a part of Saddleback uh, Works, which is kind of the the life and workplace uh, emphasis ministry focus. And I think people all over the world have an increasing focus on this. It's, it's, it's. You know, schools are talking about it. Uh, programs are launching around it. Um, why do you think it's important to um, that that churches, like Saddleback um, and and lots of others, should have some sort of emphasis or approach for people? Uh, in the workplace? Why does why is that something that's needed? I mean, if we just preach the Bible and sing and worship, isn't that enough? Where's the workplace come in?
3: Yeah, that's a, a really great question. I, I loved, Michaela, how you said um, this is an opportunity for meaning making. That's great. I actually even wrote that down. One of the things that I love here at Saddleback, a couple of things. Rick always reminds us that all of our members are ministers. We are the people out surrounded by every kind of thinking and logic and especially right now in our culture that's that's a lot that's very diverse so how do we reflect Christ's love right so if if you know if you're new to Saddleback Church I love that our common foundation with all christ centered churches are are these five purposes right of fellowship discipleship ministry evangelism and worship so I, I began this journey of really trying to understand, are people even motivated to integrate their faith at work for our, our congregation specifically, you know, so does it even matter? Yes, absolutely it does, because if every member is a minister, then there is an opportunity in every industry to reflect Christ's life, so that's what I actually, I did, I started with that question, if, if integration of faith and work even does mean anything to you, then what is it, how does that translate for the members of Saddleback Church, so in in a short, yes, they do all of these things. I try to I try to integrate the focus of marketplace and the focus of not just evangelism, but you know, how do you make friends at, and not be weird, you know, and not and not repulse people because if they don't want to hear about Jesus, right? But what is what is living that life look like as as a Christian in the workplace right now?
0: We're going to continue questions? our conversation. Oh, it yeah, does very much so. We're going to continue our conversation with Michaela and Julie in just a moment. Michaela O'Donnell at Fuller Seminary, Julie Kung, Chung at uh, Saddleback Church. And we're actually going to give, we have some copies of Make Work Matter, Michaela's new book, and we'll share those with some callers as well. Our number is 877 548 3675. You got a question, a comment about that integration of faith and work, how to live well in the workplace? 877 548 3675. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer live here on uh, Moody Radio Network's partners and affiliates. And so glad to have a conversation today with Michaela O'Donnell, who's a professor, a scholar at Fuller Seminary. Uh, in Comes from the workplace and now kind of into this faith life work space. We're going to talk more about what that means. Uh, Julie Chung serves as connections minister at Saddleback Church and has been engaged and involved in Saddleback Works, which is their um, their ministry, again, in and around that faith life work space. And it's interesting. There's, um, this, this is a conversation that has really, I been captured a lot of people, uh, because they sometimes feel like, so it's my job. I go to work, you know, I, I, you put in my hours, I go home and I go to church and it sometimes feels at church that my job is to kind of pray, pay and stay out of the way so that the real ministry gets done. Uh, by the pastors and leaders, I'm supportive. I'm going to pay. I'm going to pray. I'm going to stay out of the way. But there's there there there's a lot more to it than this. And so I want to come to Michaela too. Let me remind you as well that we are to some callers with brilliant questions or comments. We're giving away some copies of Michaela's brand new book, Make Work Matter. And you can call us uh, about work and your questions about the workplace and faith and work at eight seven seven. Five four eight three six seven five. 548 3675 Again, that's 877-548-3675. Mikhail, you, you sort of talked about calling a bit, and I wanted to um, go a little deeper on that, because I think people get confused to what that means. People ask me all the time, well, when were you called? And I have a standard answer, which I won't give, because it may, you know, may or may not reflect your answer. Um, but what does the Bible say and not say about calling? I know you address this in the book some.
1: Yeah, I think that, thank you for that great question. And um, I've loved this conversation so far. And, uh, you know, when Julie was talking, I was thinking, yeah, like what, Literally, what if we imagined a world in which hundreds of thousands of people stationed at their different places in their different industries were making decisions, um, doing performance reviews, uh, reacting to colleagues on the basis of their faith, like that, that would be an extraordinary world. And I I do think that this idea of calling is central to that because we think, oh, you know, we're we're called, we're not called. And the first thing, you know, I, I teach some classes and one of the first things I do on the first day of class is walk in and say, okay, what's, what is calling? And I get a bunch of really um, heartfelt, um, eager answers that go something like this: "It's the job. It's a job that I love. It's um, the one special career that God has for me. It's the the thing, the one thing that I can't not do." And it's like, okay, um, you know, those those are that's sort of indicative of a larger kind of societal um, uh, train of thought, if you will, and some of that is. would would do well to be in um, conversation with a biblical narrative. Uh, Very quickly here, um, you know, to be called, really uh, the first thing that's most important is to, we don't necessarily have callings. We respond to God who is a caller. And we have um, central and shared callings that I, I think are actually most significant. And those are mostly about belonging and followership right? This is what we see um, on the shores of uh, the Sea of Galilee with Jesus' disciples. And then and then there are particular callings, right? We think about the, um, you know, Moses and uh, the boy of uh, Samuel and even mother Mary. And there are moments when God breaks in and specifically invites or compels us to do things that um, participate in God's larger work. Sometimes those play out in our workplaces, other times they don't. So just even just that kind of level of distinction, I think is an important conversation for Christians to be having in this uh, faith work space.
0: Yeah. Good. I love it. Julie, to you, I-, I wonder when you're engaged at Saddleback Works, which is again, that, 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 that faith work life kind of ministry. Um, what is it that you say that's different in that kind of conversation from something you say in a small group Bible study? What, uh, you know, because if you're doing discipleship, it impacts that, but there's something, I guess, important and unique about this work faith place. What does that look like in those conversations at Saddleback and what it might look like for us?
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's, I love that Michaela actually started with the response to the caller. So I, I appreciate getting to to work in this space as a practitioner all the time and uh, just really kind of reminding people, not even reminding, but allowing them the freedom because what you hear from people in the workplace is a lot of nervous. Well, you know, of course, don't, I honestly, I don't believe that a Bible is an appropriate, like your work office desk. If you're not working for a church, I don't know that that's an appropriate place for your Bible. You know, you have core responsibilities. You're in an industry that maybe. That's not, that's not okay. That's okay that that's not the way that you express out your faith, that your Bible doesn't belong at your work. That's okay for the way that I want to approach it. So when we first started this five years ago, and I started to listen well to our small group and what they were saying, I would tell you maybe – we did some research out of 15 people, 12 out of those 15 people wanted to approach because they thought integrating faith and work was so incredibly impro- important, but they needed to approach it with great prudence. You know, they feared being, being looked upon as weird or, you know, they, they still wanted to make friends. So then I kind of jokingly, not really jokingly said, so if, if integrating faith at work means your integrity... If your integrity is is apparent, even without your words, then that means, are you cheating? Are you angry? Are you being kind to people? Even just the expression of the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're not going to do these things in your workplace, can you please not tell others that you're Christian? Because how are you then modeling Christ-like character? I kind of say it as a joke, but not really. So if you feel like you need to actually say the word Jesus, then let me free you from that. So then if you can even live out authentically in your own story and allow people... Actually, this even happened. I have so many amazing stories of, why are you so positive? Why are you so amazing? Why are you so kind? Well, it is the Christ that lives in me. Is the, the sort of posture and the training that we offer? How do you even share? Well, you wait for the invitation. So. Those are sort of the ways that I respond, the way that we help our our members kind of engage mm-hmm. this world and this conversation.
0: See, uh, and I should mention too that uh, that Julie's demon is uh, uh, in faith, work, economics, and vocation. So at Fuller, yes. focusing yes. In that conversation yes. as well. So, so again, that's the it's Fuller month here. It's uh, like Fuller house, but Fuller <laughs> month. Um, so, so just to follow up to, with that to Julie, because Julie, I think people. People are um, unsure that is my role at work to, like I said, to make money and maybe give it to advance certain causes – and then to be a witness. Now, again, let me be crystal clear. I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. I want people to talk about Jesus in the right ways at the right times. Um, but and, and let me say, too, that that's protected speech in, uh, you know, you just have to recognize that there might be a boss, you know, uh, employee relationship. Things you have to be careful about. But that, too, is protected speech. And there's you know, documents that people well, both left and right talking about how religious speech is protected at work. So I'm not so much talking about that. But sometimes I think that's what people think their role at work is. My role is to make money and be a witness. And yet you're talking about character. You're talking about being good at what you do. You're talking about excelling at the workplace. So first, first Julie, and then we'll go to Michaela. How is that part of our Christian responsibility at work? How does that fit in theologically, biblically, spiritually to our lives that work and doing it well matters?
3: Yeah, that's great. We often actually use the example of Joseph, right? Joseph as the second in command to Pharaoh. When you look at that story, he is a man of great faith, not because he was always talking about his faith, but because he did his work well. And that when our members, when we did this early research, that's what we, that's what they said, that they translated their integration. You can't disintegrate your calling or your your own faith, but how do you, See it that that you are always, you are always a beloved child of God, no matter every moment of every day, after you say yes to Jesus. So, how do you reflect that even without words? So we are five purposes. We are a purpose-driven church. So, how do you do that within fellowship, within discipleship, and all of those other ones? So we we kind of allow those different dimensions to do that. So even the signaling of your faith without without using words even waiting for the invitation of such a question that's that is as the practitioner as these people going out into their different industries that works for them for Saddleback Mm -hmm. Church members
0: does that make sense Uh it does. It does, Miguel. Yeah. You, of course, your PhD and your scholar in this field. Your newest, your new book is your first book is "Make Work Matter: Your Guide to Meaningful Work in a Changing World." And we're inviting people to call. We're going to give away some copies of that as well. Uh, those who have questions or comments, eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Again, that's eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. So similarly, that question to you. The subtitle of your book is "Meaningful Work." in a changing world. Um, What does it look like for work to be meaningful? That's a big theme in your book. What does it look like for the Christian to have meaningful experience, have meaningful work in a changing world?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, As Julie's talking, the quote by St. Francis of Assisi comes to mind, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. I think a lot of this stuff really does. Yeah, I think a lot of this stuff really does come out in how we act and I work at the Max Dupree Center for Leadership at Fuller Seminary. I'm the executive director there. And um, Max Dupree, for anybody who does or doesn't know, was a longtime CEO of the Herman Miller Furniture Company. Uh, chairs that people sit in in offices. I'm sitting in the Aeron chair right now. I kid you not, it is the most comfortable <laughs> office chair I've ever sat in in my life. And I think that that comfort is actually uh, really critical to how max saw his role as the ceo of a furniture company is people deserve to sit in really really comfortable chairs they're going to sit in chairs and offices for however many hours a day they deserve for those chairs to care for their bodies because their bodies matter they deserve for those chairs to be beautiful to look at because we are humans and made in the image of god and made in the image of a creative god And so chairs and office furniture should be beautiful. And if you go look up the Herman Miller company, they make incredibly beautiful and incredibly comfortable furniture. And for Max, those were expressions of his faith coming through in the company that he led. And so, and and I, and for a long time, before I came to the decree center, I ran a a creative branding agency uh, called long winter media with my husband. Uh, He still runs that. And we would talk a lot about hope and beauty. So we made a lot of films. We built a lot of brands. And for us, We had to find the hope and bring it out in a beautiful way in everything we did, because that was an expression of our faith and how it played out in our work. And so both of those are ways to think about meaning and meaning making in a way that is um, anchored or tethered, if you will, to that sort of faith work in Christ concept, but play out in the what we're actually doing.
0: Mm-hmm. And by the way, I sit, too, on an Aaron chair, and so I appreciate that reference as well. And so so there's a sense to the call of God on our lives is all of us, you know, to trust and follow and be in Christian community to show and share the love of Jesus. Um, and yet our roles might be different in some of that as well. Now, again, I want to invite people. we got some folks calling in. We're going to take calls uh, right on the other side. Uh, we're going to pause for just a moment. 877 877- 548-3675 is our number. We're talking to Michaela O'Donnell. She leads the Fuller Seminary Max Dupree Center. And uh, her, her new book, her brand new book, I mean it's like brand, I don't even think it's like officially out, but we have copies. It's called Make Work Matter, and we're having a conversation about how that works. Um, the subtitle is Your Guide to Meaningful Work in a Changing World. We're also with Julie Chung. She is the connections minister at Saddleback, involved in Saddleback Works. Which is their faith and work ministry as well. We're gonna be back with your calls in just a moment. Let me again invite you uh 3675 Hey we're back, it's that's our live. We're having a conversation about faith and work. And if you're if you happen to be in academia, um, I'm in academia uh, as a Professor Michaela is a professor at Fuller. Um, Julie's been through academia. Uh, you, you know, this is a big conversation in Christian colleges, universities, and seminaries, uh, and I think it's a conversation because people are seeking to make work matter, find meaningful work, and more, as Michaela's book uh, talks about. So let's let's jump in and kind of, kind of have some conversation. In and around what that might look like for us, and um, you know, talk to me a little bit about, uh, Michaela, for you, about the gap between where people are currently and the meaningful work they imagine themselves doing, and you know, how can we, how can we re- close that gap if we get stuck?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the important things to say on the onset is that we're living in a context of incredible change. And the world's moving faster and getting closer together and in some ways further apart than most of us have ever experienced in our lives. And so there is this sense of dislocation, sometimes disorientation or even a kind of a feeling that we get in our shoulders and our heart of disequilibrium. We're like, okay, we're kind of wobbling. So that that, in, in my experience leads to um, quite a bit of um, anxiety, a bit of, overwhelmed feelings, certainly when people think about a little bit of despair, actually, when people think, I, you know, I thought I was going to be in exposition, and I am nowhere close to it. And now that I've done all that school, I don't even know if I want to do that. I don't even know if I like doing that anymore. So there's a lot of disorientation there. Um, one of the big things that I encourage and partly this has been helpful in my own life. It's been helpful in uh, much of the work that we do at the Depree Center for Leadership at Fuller Seminary, is to embrace uh, quicker cycles of action and reflection. I do not think that we can make meaning by just actively kind of hustling our way forward and finding our thing and you know sort of doing it with high ambition, though sometimes I might like to pretend that, but we have to stop really, really regularly and ask, okay, what has happened? Where has God brought me? Where has God brought us? What, what are the patterns here? And that space for reflection is critical to meaning making. It's critical to alignment and participation in the larger work of God. And I think as a society, we are anemic for that space of reflection. We just don't have it in spades. And so um, let, let me just start there and say quicker cycles of action and reflection in light of the massive disequilibrium and feelings of overwhelm that so many of us are feeling.
0: Yeah. Um, Julie, just to have a little fun in Saddleback World, because, you know, we're friends there. I speak there. The, the you know, we're friends. We're friends. There's a famous character in the TV show, The Office. Her name's Angela. Uh, when the actress actually who portrays her is, is a Christian. But in this one place, she's uh, said to, you got to take a book. You can only take one book. And of course she says the Bible (laughs) because she's the Christian character. And then they say, you can't say the Bible. So she says a purpose-driven life. So she says, so the office has this purpose-driven life mentioned in 2005. But part of the challenge is is Angela. I mean, it's, it's a TV show. It's not, you know, she, the, the, the actress is actually a Christian, but Angela, nobody likes. So she's sort of the person that gets on everyone's nerves. And so I think part of the challenge is, um, you know, when I was working at Burger King at 19 years old, my my manager told me that uh, I don't hire any Christians. Of course, I was a you know pretty outspoken Christian. Uh, but I was even younger now, he was 17. He said, I don't hire Christians because they're lazy and they complain too much. And I still remember that. It just stuck with me that work ethic and work relationships really matter. As a pastor, I would later teach these things, work ethics and work relationships really matter. How do we help people to see that and to live that way?
3: Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. You know, my kids watch Office. I'm sad to say that I have not, but that's hilarious. And I didn't I didn't know that there was a PDL reference to that. So yes, actually your question is is everything that I run towards that my passion is about. Like how why is that important? And, and our our research actually, <clears throat> excuse me, showed exactly that. They needed actionable steps and what that means so we kind of work backwards towards like look Michaela said reflection is critical but also in this very unstable unstable time the prudence the prudence that is required and you go back to dominion right you go back to the end of Genesis 1 and what are we actually we're created to tend and care for the creation the creator God created like we have to do really great work First, And in the meantime, how do we prepare our members to feel really great about the work that they're producing? Or they feel really great about, even in this time, you know, um, even transforming your posture. I love that Michaela brought up Francis de because I use that. I also talk about Gandalf. Gandalf mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings says, how do you keep the darkness away? It's in the little things it's in the little things. So there's a transformation of our work It is finding gratitude and the relationships that we have. And if you can reflect your light, if you can be authentic in your story and be honest in your workplace and have integrity in the work that you produce, then be prepared for that moment when, and if somebody shares a story, shares an invitation and, move on that urging and that invitation that that's what we not that you hide your faith but but you wait on the invitation for it is is the actionable step that we move towards
0: good be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect peter would right let's go to let's go to let's go to tom in cleveland tennessee tom you're live on the air what's your question or your comment Uh, my comment has to do with uh what you mentioned a few minutes ago. This
5: is a great discussion, by the way, uh, as your show always is. And uh, you were talking about uh, Christian – I forget how you stated it, but it was to do your job at work and represent the Lord. And uh, I've always felt like at work your primary duty is to do your job well, and if your boss says we're under pressure, don't be talking now – about other things. And that's important. I worked, I retired from FedEx Express and in the Memphis hub, they hired from a lot of different uh, schools in Memphis, including Christian schools and seminaries. And they specifically told us in our orientation, uh, you know, are you going to ask us, are you going to be able to do your job and get this freight out of here on time without wasting too much time talking about Jesus and mm-hmm. not wasting like, like they considered it, it bad. Sure, they man. didn't want you to talk about anything. Yeah. And and then also another location, they didn't want you wearing any controversial pins of any sort, even college football teams. Um, But the last thing I would just like to mention is that to my surprise, uh, uh, last few months, I was talking to a fellow I used to work with, and he said he was talking about living for the Lord and everything, and he complimented me on uh, the kind of way I'd influenced him at work. And I cannot recall ever mentioning the Lord to him or talking to him about anything. So that really surprised me. That people say, you know, uh, I forget mm-hmm. how you put it. That famous quote about uh, like share the gospel and when necessary use words. You know, I, I guess that really does work.
0: He gets gross mm-hmm. without words sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, Tom, that's great. Thank you for your call, Tom, as well. What's just stay on the line because I want to give you a copy of Michaela O'Donnell, Dr. Michaela O'Donnell's new book. It's called Make work matter. And our producer will jump on the line and share that with you as well. By the way, the subtitle is Your Guide to Meaningful Work in a Changing World. So, so I mean, even Tom's comment comes back to, and let me just yeah. say as well, if, other, if others want to call in, uh, the number is 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. I mean, Tom's comment, Michaela, kind of points to this kind of reality that you're talking about, how you work Matters and again, my, back to my Burger King, 17 years old. My Burger King guy's job is that you know, your Christians are talking all the time. I need to be working, though everyone would agree, break times your break time, lunch times your lunch time. Don't misunderstand, I'm a big advocate for verbal witness, but the kind of work we do really matters. Tell us more about that.
2: Yeah,
1: I, Tom, I love that story. And he, say hello to Cleveland for me. I went to the college at Lee University, so my old stomping grounds. Um, The other thing I heard in Tom's story that I think is critical uh, for sort of the way forward is a posture of empathy, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. I heard him empathetic with the employer policies. Yeah, you know, it kind of made sense that they wanted us to do this and not that. And I also heard uh, Tom talk about this friend, you know, and um, I can only imagine now I'm imposing the conversations they had and the way they worked alongside one another and the way that Tom, and now I'm thinking about the story of the Good Samaritan, very likely moved toward his friend in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe not as drastic mm-hmm. as someone lying on the side of the road, um, but this move toward other people is so critically part of what it means to, you know, be a good neighbor and live out uh, the love and the hope that we feel from Christ, and that that happens in very specific, very everyday You know, places and we spend so much of our time, you know, for Tom loading the trucks and doing exactly what he's doing at FedEx and for someone else um, serving the people at Burger King for you Ed, back in the day and that those are opportunities and that we should we should really celebrate actually those opportunities to do the meaningful work like Tom's describing.
0: Yeah, love that, love that. Okay, we're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. We have one more segment left. So if you want to get in, this is the time, 877-548-3675. We're talking to Michaela O'Donnell, who's a professor at uh, Fuller Seminary. And we just learned a graduate of Lee University in the center of the Pentecostal Universe in Cleveland, Tennessee. And Julie Chung, who's Connections Minister at Saddleback and serves in Saddleback Works, doing uh, do, do duct work in this area as well, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer live in our final segment. We're going to jump right to your calls. We have to move through them pretty quickly. But we're going to hit a few. Again, eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. 548 Ellie, we're going to go to you first. In Florida, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment?
2: Well, hi, Ed, um, and thank you very much. This is a very near and dear to my heart, even though I have sold my companies. Back in uh, 2000, 2001, um, Christchurch of Oakbrook launched a specific yes. Um, And and, I actually met you um, back there at a conference. But um, yeah, and actually I do the um, Life for Leaders, the uh, Fuller Theological thing too. But um, what I wanted to say primarily was that um, it is um, intimidating for many folks when all we need to do, as they say, keep the gospel simple. Um, You can't make people care, but when people see that you care, Um, they will, and sincere, and consistent, and the Christians are ready to step out there, and we need to encourage one another. So here's just some real simple things that I did after I wrote my life ministry plan, um, after the workplace ministry uh, workshop that I spent nine months doing at CCOB and facilitating ever since then. And by the way, we wrote our life ministry plan, and they actually laid hands on us and sent us out into the workplace really great curriculum. Anyway, that. Um, is, is that um, simple things like take five in the morning before work starts, call together anybody, everybody who wants to gather for break. You can come, you don't have to come. You can pray, you don't have to pray. You can pray out loud, you can, don't have to, but be assured that in the event there is a need, you can email that need and people will be praying for it, number one. Number two, anybody will come if you buy them lunch. Um, and so that's a real, that's that's a great way, and it was a great learning tool for me, too. I wanted to know more about about the Muslims. I wanted to know more about the Mormons. I I, I needed to do that one and develop that relationship. So it was simple. It was simple, connecting things. And then we um, launched the um, Chicago Executive Forum, and that was really a way of folks like the Ali Montes who really had a desire to encourage one another, inspire one another to get out, share these tips, and uh figure out what it looked like um in the workplace when the rubber met the road. What objections do you overcome? So it became a support group. So anyway, those are just a few little things that I wanted to say oh, thank sir. you. Um <laughs> yeah. and um and for, for keeping the faith and keeping on, keeping on.
0: Well, thank you, Ellie. What a great call! If you'll stay on the line, we want to give you a copy of "Make uh, Work Make Work Matter" uh, by Michaela O'Donnell as well. By the way, the pastor of Christ Church Oakbrook is on the board of Fuller Seminary. It's kind of like a Fuller Seminary festival lately <laughs> on is. this program. So, <laughs> so, um, so, so one of the things too, and Julie, I'll go to you. So, one of the things Ellie talked about is the idea of like community with other believers at work being part of this as well. She talked about building relationships and Michaela emphasized that a minute ago, that, you know, gracious hospitality, giving people the benefit of the doubt. Julie also, I'm sorry, Ellie was also talking about getting some Christian community work. What does that look like when Christians can or should, or how do they, how how does that work at work?
3: Yeah. You know, I think that's so fascinating for us. Again, it's all about practical right application, things like that. So we built uh we built this little quiz for people seeking that. I mean, we're we a church of small groups, anyway. Our, we aspire to have 125% of our attendees be in a small group. That's that's where intimacy happens. That's where accountability happens. That's where workplace. I have to tell you, some of the most amazing partnerships that we've just we've just um, been supporting and and growing and learning together is um, Target, for example, Target U.S. Has HR sanctions faith-based small groups, so we get to work alongside them, and they allow space during their lunch to do that. Experian is another one of those big corporations that allow that as well. And um, some people, you know, you you pick up your lunch and you you join a, a a really quick, you know, one hour forty-five minute sort of like crafted study or a discussion point. that, that is a very very common way that saddleback church members can um, have fellowship in the workplace. Another option for us too is like what Ellie said, you know, you walk, you pray. But I think really the the overall arching goal is uh, like going back to what Michaela said, the meaning making of it and doing a really great job first. I believe we as Christians, we want, we want people to, wow, this person, you know, really honors and respects and their work you know they they show up every day really well and that's kind of why i joke if you're gonna lie if you're gonna cheat if you're gonna be angry all the time don't let people don't tell people you're christian you know i mean there's righteous anger for sure but we all know i mean our culture and our our society right now is not that often so those are some practical ways that we encourage yeah we encourage in that that way
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I think it's so important. Again, um, I'll send you the clip from Angela in uh, the office just just for fun. Irene (laughs) Illinois, you're live on the air. Irene, what's your question, your comment?
3: Well, my
4: comment is I've been working many years. I'm a senior, and I have always been a woman of faith, a child of faith, very young. And, you know, when I work, I work for the Lord. I mean, and I know that in my heart. I come across a workday prayer that actually, you know, says those type of things on it. And I I, uh, am conscious of that every day myself. And so when you're talking about a Christian as being a person that goes above and beyond, I truly take that to heart because I give more than 100%. And I think people realize that when they see how hard you're working, that you're there, that you are Uh, uh, have integrity, that you can be trusted, that you will go the second mile. And then they start to wonder, well, why are you like that? And I would come in with a positive attitude. I'd pray before I entered the office place, you know, it didn't have to be with other people. It's just the Lord and me talking, you know, may I do my best? May I um, shine the light for others? May I be there? And who can I bless that day? And in the workplaces that I've been, I've actually been in some which – uh, if someone was ill, as you've been discussing, the community of that of that uh, job comes together, and there would be an opportunity if anyone wanted to go into the conference room and everyone pray for someone who was going through a hard time, or there was a difficult time in our nation and we needed prayer, that was open to us, which I thought was unbelievable, and I think that's what opens doors of. Uh, communication between your coworker because you'd see that they were down and out. And I could just say something like, well, you know, I'm really going to be thinking about you and praying for you. And then later on, they would say, can you come and pray for me? I could go to the desk. And it, mm. it just became an open thing where people would actually mm. know who would actually come and come to your side and pray for you. And uh, then people would have conversation with you. But it was that That feeling of knowing that people knew who you were without having to be, you know, raising flags and have all this uh, uh, trying to make the conversation with them, they would seek you out. And I believe God provides that opportunity and he will let you know.
0: You know. mm-hmm. Irene, what a great call what a great call you have to be our last call but it was a great call to end on thank you for the call come Michaela I want to go back to you and by the way uh, Irene stay on the line we want to give you a copy of uh, Michaela's book uh, it's make work matter but talk to us uh, we got about a minute left talk to us about that phrase doing your work as unto the Lord and why is that so important in this conversation about a minute left
1: Yeah thanks Irene for that when you were talking I, I wrote down three C words I heard conviction. And I heard clarity mm-hmm. of, a sen- of a sense of calling that um, no matter where you are and what you're doing, you're very clear and convicted that that is for God. And that, that assurance, I think, can lead us into a lot of confidence, right? We don't have perfect purpose of time. We are going to fail, but we know how this turns out. We know God's got us. And so I, I really just appreciate that sense of conviction and clarity of calling that you uh, displayed right there.
0: I love it. And I appreciate both of you being my guests today. And I know we didn't have to get up at 6 a.m. to do it in California time. Though all our (laughs) K-Wave listeners, we're so glad you're here as well. Michaela O'Donnell, Executive Director of Fuller Seminary's Dupree Center for Leadership. Julie Chung is Connections Minister at Saddleback, involved there with Saddleback Works as well. Let me thank them both. Also, let me thank my team that works hard. Uh, My producer, Karen Hendren. My engineer, Courtney Young. And Melody Mansarova is working the phones. Tune in next week. We're going to talk to Michael Rydelnik, and we're going to talk about the 50 most important questions in the Bible. Hear the program again. Go to Ed Setzer Live. And remember, Ed Setzer Live is a production of Moody Radio.